We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Tuesday, left. That's right. It's Tuesday. This is going to be a really special show because this is, you know, we talk before the show, we script the show, we talk the day before the show, like what do you want to talk about, this, that, and the other. Then some days certain things just happen when you wake up. You see certain things, you read certain things, and the show creates itself, Right? So we're going to have real talk today, <clears throat> real talk about recruiting at Notre Dame. I'm going to get some input that I got this weekend from talking to, let's just say, several Chicago recruits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. We're going to have real talk about Justice Scott. Remember, we talked about Justice Scott yesterday. And I said, I said, Notre Dame feels very confident about where they sit with Justice Scott. I was like, they would love to get the last official visit in June. Yep. And I said, but they are 70 miles away from Chicago. It's not like a visit from him that needs to be set up, told. He can wake up one morning and say, you know what? I'm driving down to South Bend to kick it with, which I would say, if this was based upon the head coaches, now this is Sean Davis talking. This is Sean Davis, right? I guess so you could say this is my head coaching crystal ball or whatever. If this was based upon who he would want to play as far as a head coach, it's not even close. Not even close. If it was just left up to who the head coach of the program is, it's not even close. Not even close what the decision would be. But there are other factors. There are other factors that go into this. So we're going to have a real talk about that. Then left. I had two conversations this morning. Hopefully we can, well, one of these guys have actually been on the podcast. 
and I'm hoping to get the other one on with us because uh, I was talking to him about some other business ventures that we're trying to get into. But I had a conversation with Jared Payton and I had a conversation with Simeon Rice. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to have a conversation about player safety on college campuses. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. And what inspired this was both of the conversations and also what inspired this conversation is what's going on with John Moran. <laughs> right? Neither one of us believe John Moran is hard. Neither one of us believe he's a gangster. None of that. But is he wrapped up in culture? Things of that nature. It's important because when you talk about safety i expect john morant as many nba players or nfl players the only players in the city of chicago that can walk around and no one knows who the heck they are are the chicago cubs and the chicago white Sox. like if you see them in the street you wouldn't know who they were they just regular they just look like regular dudes yeah you know what i'm saying like if you see a six nine guy walking down the street you assume he hoops you assume he does something right you see a you see a six two three hundred 
320-pound guy walking down the street, you assume, like, okay, this dude does something. He does something. Baseball players, dude, they do. Dudes are like 5'10", 170, 5'11", 190. They look like everyday people, right? And unless you really are into the sport, you wouldn't recognize them if they were walking amongst everybody else on a normal day downtown Chicago. Right. Things are a little bit different. And we pointed out yesterday that you have, this is perfect, because I thought about bringing guests on and talking. I said, you know what? Malik can speak to this. I can speak to this. And I was given permission by Simeon Rice to talk about a couple of experiences that we had in Champaign. There's nothing wrong with John Morant having, he has a right to have a gun for protection. But I would venture to say if a college athlete, we had it with Brandon Miller, right? Brandon Miller is about to be the second overall pick in the NBA draft. A lot of people are upset. They feel like he should be in jail. Mm. Brandon Miller had a gun. It was his gun that was used in an unfortunate murder. And I think I need to point out, or we need to have the conversation as to why the college athlete needs protection. Because I think if you heard most people, whether it's talking about Imani Bates, who Mm. got stopped, right? Had a gun, went to trial, ended up pleading out, getting a lighter, whatever. Okay? Um, The point is, most people, most college fans would ask the question, why do you need a gun? Right. That would be the question. Why do you need a gun? It makes no sense. Why do they need guns? And so we thought we'd just have a really open conversation, maybe give a few examples to kind of explain why things are the way they are. There were a couple of unfortunate incidents, I think, when you were at Notre Dame, where players were attributed with having a firearm. I use the word attributed it because the firearm was said to be someone's during the stop or in the vehicle or whatever. It wasn't like someone was brandishing the firearm or anything like that. The firearm just happened to be attributed to, attributed to that individual. Apple Podcast, Spotify, mm-hmm. YouTube, subscribe, thumbs up, hit the like button. CFB Nation, exclusively in the fall. Leave your comments, leave us five stars. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. That's right. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, Left. You feel free to, to answer um Feel free to answer the way you want to answer. During your time as a player at Notre Dame, 
were you around firearms or did you ever personally feel the need to have a firearm? I didn't. I mean, maybe it's because I think it's just different because I started in, in at Notre Dame where you, it's not the environment where you feel like you would need one. But then, you know, I've seen guys that transferred to Notre Dame that they had one, but it was just that's the way, you know, that they operated, but it was on a legal thing. Like Avery Sebastian transferred in from Cal. Mm. He had one legally, but it was like his thing. It was cool. He was like, oh, it's, you know, check out my license thing, you know, that sort of thing. But it was never on a, a brandishing, you know, I'm like you to know I have it on me. You know, he had it in the case and everything. He just said, you know, that's just, you know, some guys, I think it's just a masculine thing. Guys like that type of stuff. Uh, I don't I don't see it as an issue especially yeah. if, if it's just something you have. Um, and, you know, the right and wrong way, I mean, I don't know how to, you know, other than the laws, what, you just think of it morally. Yeah. Some situations you need one around. Not necessarily you in threat of using all the time, but it'd be dangerous out here. You know, you got all time. Yo. <laughs> Yo. So that is something... People you, you just threw me the alley-oop to allow me, you know, I throw you the alley-oops, you know, you're the better athlete, you dunk them. <laughs> I'm about to lay this up off the backboard really nice. That's right. That's right. All right. These havens of education across the nation are beautiful places. That's right. You walk the campuses, it's a beautiful vibe higher learning, history, north, south, east, west, wherever you go across this nation. There's some fabulous, fabulous campuses of higher learning. And they usually take up multiple acreage within a municipality or a city. Unfortunately, once you step foot outside of that campus, the wolves are real. The wolves are real. And you say, well, Sean, what do you mean by that? You go to Champaign. Champaign-Urbana was a beautiful campus when I was there. I don't even recognize it now, Left. It is like utopia mm. for kids. Like the stuff that they have access to now is just absolutely incredible. Just incredible. But there's one thing that's never changed about Champagne or Urbana. And that's the townies. (laughs) The townies. That's the townies. Now, I don't know what they call them in other locales, but in Champagne or Urbana, they will call townies. My brother, when I go to see my daughter, let me tell you something. Palm trees, architecture is beautiful. That USC campus is, is a sight to behold. A sight to behold now. You turn left <laughs> and walk three blocks, 
And it's the three blocks ain't that long now. Three blocks left. The wolves. The wolves are there. And I'm here to tell you that one of the top targets in any college campus or any city where a college campus is, the athletes are the top targets. They're the top targets of the wolves, no matter where you go. There's a reason why the townies end up at the same parties as the top athletes. Try to talk to the same girls as the athletes. They're trying to stir the pot. They're trying to create conflict, trying to create reason, opportunity. There's so many times that I was reminded of this morning during our conversation down in Champaign, where we would go to a house party and we would say, yo, who are these dudes? Like, we don't know these dudes. <laughs> like, man, I thought I knew everybody, especially, you know, the Champagne. Right, we only made up one point two percent of the student population left. Mm. Some African Americans at that time. We literally made up one point two percent of the student population. So at that point, all of us either came from East St. Louis, Chicago, or the suburbs. That's it. That's right. So we all knew each other. We all knew each other. Oh, okay. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we get to a spot and we're looking like we don't know who are these guys. And then all of a sudden, some all of a sudden things pop off. Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. All of a sudden things pop off. And it's like, yo, these young men, they go to these campuses, despite the culture they come from. That's a whole nother issue left. Because if you come from down south, holding a handgun is almost like getting a driver's license. Yeah, it's just a, it's like a thing. It's just a way of life. You know, but before it became a hyper-inflated issue on TV, people, all, you know, having guns in the round and guns in the house wasn't a, a bad thing to have as a perspective. It was just the, the thing to have. People had all type of stuff. Yeah. But it was it was in the light, it was in a different light, and it was treated different, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't as big of a concern as it is now. And I just want to point out because I'm, I'm I'm really trying to be fair to the college athlete, understanding as Left said, no, I didn't feel the need, but. <laughs> Some guys that transferred in or <clears throat> had a different perspective felt differently. I don't know what the outside of South Bend is like, bro. Mm. Like I could tell you what the outskirts of Champaign Urbana is like. Um, Champaign Urbana is a campus with a lot of money, and then the city outside of that. Not so much. So now you have a city that has this 
bastion of money and everything else that is total opposite of what everybody else in the city lives and feels on a daily basis. And there's jealousy, there's envy. The students come down there and the jobs that would be available to certain people, the students take those jobs. It's just a lot. And you create this atmosphere and the wolves or the bad people that are anywhere in society. This has nothing to do with ethnicity, anything like that. The wolves are out all over this world in each and every city, right? They're looking to see whom they can devour, left? And college athletes all over this country feel like, especially if they have a car they're going to be driving around, they feel like they need protection. And they keep firearms for protection. Now, we say that a lot of people are going to gasp. <gasps> Why in the world would any player on Notre Dame feel like they need a gun? Well, you also got to think, too, these kids, it's just like uh, just like our parents. We don't know our parents before before we got here. Right? Our parents were totally different people before we got here. We don't know that side of them before they were parents. Mm-hmm. So the things that happen after we're here and we're witnessing, it's like, oh, this is a totally different person. Yeah. It's no different than how Notre Dame recruits the guys on the fringe. They get up here. They can't fit in. But it's like, what do you expect? They coming from an environment where Notre Dame is, is just on TV. Yeah. Where their whole life is totally different. And you're telling them, you know, when they first get here, all right, you can't do this, you can't smoke no weed, can't do none of this. But this is an everyday thing for some kids back at home. Mm. So now you're saying, go cold turkey, and if you do something, we're going to punish you. We're going to put you under crazy restrictions, and you you better keep your grades up. But the kids' grades was on fringe. We barely squeezed him in here. You know he got some tendencies and things he likes to do off the field because all of us do our research about recruiting kids. Yeah, That's a crazy thing to me. You recruit the kid knowing what he's coming from. You sit in that same kitchen shack that you flew all the way down to hot little little town, Florida. You see about 67 kids in the house. And you tell them, hey, we're going to put you in boot camp, quote, unquote, because it's different is because you got to follow different rules. Yeah. And if you don't do what we tell you to do or you mess up, we send you back here. It's like, I think it's, it's it, it needs to be a level of support if you bring in those type of kids in. Well, the kids, you know, it's one of the two. You can't control. You just can't, you can't control everything of recruiting, right? Like you like a kid. The kid comes from the mud, goes to a private school. The structure of the private school, the dude. If you saw the neighborhood of the house on 118th Estate in Roseland on the south side of Chicago, the ninth ward that Simeon Rice grew up in, 
with his parents, his grandparents. I think it was like 20 people in his house. I remember we would go sit on the porch and wait for him to come out and play football at the park. We couldn't name all of the kids that were in the house. Mm. This is the mud. This is where he comes from. So to take that and go to Mount Carmel, which is the most structured front, shout out to the, the le legendary Frank Linty, head coach, gives him structure, gives him the opportunity to grow. He ends up in Illinois, goes on to, in my opinion, to have a Hall of Fame career. But like you said, Lep, you don't know the background. You don't know the trauma that took place on that block. You don't know the trauma that took place in that house. That's right. You just don't. So Illinois didn't really know what the heck they were getting in totality. But one thing they did... I just don't know if they, they can put that plausible deniability anymore on... That's my point. The recruiting uh, you stuff. have to know because they probably went and watched him in Mount Carmel and never got an opportunity to really go. All the meetings probably were at the school with the family and Coach Linty. Everything was in a certain environment. They never came to 118th Estate because I know how Mount Carmel runs things. That wasn't how things went. So they come down and they wonder Yo, how, who is this dude? Who is this brash comedian outgoing? Like, who is this kid? Oh, that's the kid from 118. That's not the Mark Carmel kid. Mm -mm. Who is this kid that can recognize dangers in certain situations? That comes from 118. That doesn't come from 63rd and Dante. And look, that is, I, I just want people to understand these young women and these young men. And I think someone put it up, one of my listeners said, when they lived in South Bend, students used to get robbed all the time. And that's why the administration ended up buying everything on Eddy Street and building. Why? Come on now. Well, I, well yes, you know, that's what one of the listeners said. My thing is, how many kids got to get robbed? We got to be hundreds for you to be like, you know what? Let's just buy the block so we can eliminate the hundreds of kids. If you're talking about five a year, yeah, you tell me Notre Dame was like, man, these five kids a year getting robbed. We need to buy the entire Eddie Street block to prevent that. Come on now, we ain't going. Well, I mean, the, the normal for that, the normal action is for universities to buy up property around them. We agree with that, but don't, they, don't that happens. counties now as a as a response for safety. We need to buy your entire area. Absolutely. Okay. So, all Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. say you want to expand. You know, don't be <laughs> I don't be liking that. Absolutely. Don't be talking Absolutely. About, oh, we scared, so we need to buy your land. I don't know. <laughs>
<laughs> so you, man, you made a great point. Like when you get young men to your campus, you really don't know. <laughs> you don't know everything, right? And then yeah, all of a sudden, they know everything because you know so some. You, you think they know everything? Some players on the team get treated a little differently and supported a little differently mm-hmm. by the the coaching staff. Some kids that are your best players that you know may not be able to keep up with the great, like a two it. For instance, I give you a great story. Uh-huh. Spring, I'm in there early. First class. I'm in there with two. Didn't see him after the first class. Saw him the last day of class. We take the test. Now, our rules for the team is you going to class. Ain't no way around it. Right. You going to class. And you and you sitting in there and you doing the homework. But with two, and, 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 and on top of that, if you're not doing well in class, you're going to study hall. Mm-hmm. But you're just going. You know, this is what it is. But to it, on the other hand, it's one of those don't ask, don't tell nothing. To it, you're not going to. You ain't worried about coach calling? I already talked to coach. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. All right. How you get extra time on the test? We are. I talked to Sarge. It's all good. I talked to talk to the teacher. Oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. Don't, you a, don't you get a grade for attendance? You you never hear how you. Yeah, yeah, talk. yeah. We good. Coach, come get him personally from class. I'm like, coach, you ain't never walk with me to class. Oh, okay. But it's Stefan to it. He graduated <laughs> too. Passed the class flying because I don't know how. I never saw him, and I was at class. But you also know where Tua came from. But if Tua does his job, Notre Dame going to do his job, their job. Okay, Tua, we know you don't like these certain class, whoop-de-whoop. You know, we're going to work with you. Just just don't be making a scene. You know, don't be making it too much uh, commotion about this. And, it, and it, usually it works out. You know, we got guys that get certain help from certain people on campus and, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody. Yeah. But the ones you know you're going to have to work with. So I don't like the whole, oh, we didn't know this kid was like this or da da da, da you know. So it's it's an interesting dynamic on the team. Yeah. You think you spend every day with these guys. Yeah. Every day you're around 108 of your teammates. Every day in some aspect. So to not know and all of that is just, you know. So (laughs) when you recruit kids, right, not only are you trying to figure out who they are athletically and academically, but you should be trying to figure out who they are as a person. That's right. Do they fit the type of young man that you would love to coach? And that's cool because everyone is different. Anytime you connect a gun or a gun charge to a person, it gives them a stigma, right? Left, you and I know someone that was connected to a gun charge during this time in Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. He ain't that dude. <laughs> He's not that dude. We, you, 
He's not that dude. He's John Morant. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wouldn't say he's John Morant. I wouldn't say he's John Morant, but he, you know, at that, in those moments, he want to be like John Morant. Okay. Yeah. For what it's weird, whatever. I think it's a whatever weird reason. Yeah. I believe it's a testosterone thing where a person gets so like, ooh, this is macho. You know, I'm flowing, you flowing, we flowing. And it, it's just like that that danger kind of thing, you know, drives certain guys. It's like yeah. having pent-up energy. You know, I think, for instance, I talked about Avery earlier. Avery went to the gun range all the time. He didn't have no issues flashing and brandishing. He went to the gun range. I didn't know he went all the time, but he, that was his thing. So when he had showed me his, his his strap and it was all, it was, I get it. He got picked up and he go and shoot big guns at the gun. That's cool. Yeah. That's a way to release the energy. So I, I think for a, a guy that we know like that, it's definitely, you got to get your energy out in some way and it just has to be more productive. Because we so, know that, so the conversation, man, is it's just built around understanding <laughs> that these college campuses, although students and players spend the vast majority of their time within the boundaries of these campuses, there there is a world outside of this campus that for the most part is very envious of what's going on inside that campus. In that locale, very envious, right? And everyone doesn't feel like they need to protect themselves. And a certain, oh, I take that back. I do feel like every one of the students and every one of the athletes feel like they need to protect themselves. Some choose to protect themselves with their decisions. Like, yo, I'm not going out this weekend. Like that's that's a way to protect yourself. Others choose to protect themselves by saying, you know what? I'm gonna make sure I carry my firearm. I wish or I'm, I'm gonna make sure <laughs> right, exactly. Or I'll make sure I go in a group wherever I go. Or we're just not go- we're gonna party, we're gonna party in a certain area. And sometimes even when you make the best of decisions according to your logic. <laughs> The craziest of situations can still find you somehow, some way. You know? And I remember we're in this big party and we're kicking it. And some jumps off, some townies are in there. Football squad talking back and forth with the townies. Of course, Sam sees the football squad going back and forth, so he feels like he has to go grab his boys, grab squad, and get them out of there. Right? He has to. Me, I'm telling him, let's go. (laughs) Like, what? Man, let's go. No. So, of course, if he goes into the fray, I have to go into the fray. <laughs> Usually. So now I'm just standing there like I have no dog in the fight other than Sim. 
That's it. Things get heated up, right? All of a sudden, Sims family that's down there for the weekend, just being who they are, just being who they are, walk up into the situation. What's up? Click clack. Now it's like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? Right? Thank yeah. God. Thank God everybody got out of there without anything tragic happening on that night. But I promise you, it was one of those nights where I was like, man, you know how you say that prayer? Lord, if you just get me out of this, I promise you. I promise you I'll never get into a situation like this ever again. If you just get me out of this situation, look, please just get me out of this one. You know, and that's just how quickly things can escalate, right? So I said that to say this. My heart kind of went out after being very harsh on John Morant because of my experience and my conversations with my boys. I told you I talked to Jared Payton. Jared Payton lost a teammate to gunfire in Miami, if you remember Brian Powell. Mm. He lost a teammate. His boy was gone. And ultimately, I think they just solved the case a year ago. It was a, a former teammate that didn't cut it. Oh, the Virginia thing. You know what I'm saying? No, this is like the University of Miami back in the day. Defensive lineman Brian Patter, and they just found out who killed him recently. You got the Utah players. You got the Virginia players. All of this stuff, man, that do look, understand, and pray, right? So instead of, I'm telling you, man, I need a total 180. Total 180, and I thank you for having people in my life and friends in my life that are able to remind me of situations and circumstances that I've been in or that they've been in to kind of level me off and keep me grounded. And to hear JP talk about losing his teammate and not knowing who it was, right? Because you have to understand, everybody thinks University of Miami. Miami is gritty. Like you, you, you bruh, you, you make the wrong turn in Miami. And the football players know that they're targets down there. They know they are. So you always have to watch the way you move. You always have to watch the way you move. This is something that's consistent across this nation. And when we hear this news, it's quick for us or it's easy for us to be judgmental and state our case of where we stand. But more than that, man, whatever you believe, vibes, chakras, prayers, whatever you believe, just make sure the positive thoughts go out towards these young people within this young culture, if they move correctly, that they make sound decisions, and that at the end of the day, everyone can come home or make it home at night. That's it. Because left, 
I don't know what it feels like. Because I wasn't, I just, I happened to be cool with the targets. I wasn't a target left when I was in Champagne. I just happened to be cool with the targets. I don't know what that feels like. Right? I don't know what it feels like to be a top 20 pick in the NFL draft and want to go party on campus or off campus, but you have to think about it. I don't know, but and that's life. Those are decisions growing up that we all have to make. But you know, I've I've come 180 on the job Morant thing. There's something there. I hope the young man sees the light and it is able to turn everything around. You know. Yeah. But I did want to take this time to have a real conversation about firearms, athletes, college athletes, especially. And, you know, people are like, why do we all hear these stories so many times? It's, it's a lot of factors, man. Where these young men come from, the cultures they come from. You're combining different cultures within a locker room. And then a point of view of how they view where they are. Some Malik had a different view of the townies than somebody else on the team. You know, uh, thank God, Sim, when he was in Champaign, was very much a happy dude, non-combative, right? Always wanted to kick it and have a great time, right? So when things did pop up, he was able to really kind of just squash anything that could happen, right? And there were other – man, he had teammates that were immediately ballot. Like, you say something? Like, what? It's like they gave Lou Tepper constant headaches. Yeah. And, yo – so, yeah, that's why, you know, we, we jumped this off with this conversation today because I don't think it's going to stop. I do think we're going to continue to see unfortunate situations with athletes and guns and, because it is definitely a mixture of culture and, and protection and, and needing to feel safe. And like you said, guys having to have needing to feel like John Morant, right? <laughs> like, you're not John Morant, you're not that guy, but for some reason, some took the testosterone gets you to a point where you feel like you have to move this way, yeah, and it leads to unfortunate situations. And jokingly, you know, Drunk Vigo says the townies want all of that NIL, in my opinion, makes them even bigger targets. Now, you really need to think about how you move. Um. Yeah, but not everybody knows about the NIL and and which players have what though. You know, not all of it is advertised. I mean, you really got to do your homework on some of the NIL kids. Got come on, you know the the wolves do their homework. <laughs> you got you have your educated wolves, and then you just have your reckless wolves. The yeah. educated wolves they they do their homework. They do their homework. Lucky Lefty Podcast. 
thank you for those in the chat that allowed us to have that conversation. And hopefully it gave you an insight into something, you know, that we talked about as far as player safety and why football players decide to move the way they move sometimes or just any athlete, you know. We have, I don't think we've ever heard about an unfortunate shooting on the women's side of sports and college athletics. I don't think I've heard a story along those lines. So let's get into it. Real talk, recruiting. So this is where we're going to open up. I would like to say this, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, CFB Nation, Lock us in exclusively on CFB Nation starting in the fall. We appreciate you guys. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Edible audio each and every day. The audio edible. We spin it different. Yes, sir. We come back, we're going to dig into this recruiting real talk. All right? Any question, any recruiting question that you have, put it in the chat. Real talk right here. Lucky Lefty Podcast.